everyone, Aaron Stewart from the Little Black Couch, coming at you live very quickly. Today I wanted to talk about how we can make our customers or encourage our customers to buy from us. Is, are there steps that we can take to make that happen more readily? And at, at this dedication to Nick Fitzgerald, who helped me set some things up. So let's see how it works and we'll jump right into it. Let's go. Thanks for that. Yeah, good little intro there. So yeah, I wanted to get started today and talk about clients and how we work with clients and are there situations and steps that we can take to help our clients get over that, right? The, the resistance to purchase. And um, I, I think it's an interesting topic and uh, one that it'll be kind of fun to dive into. But first I kind of wanted, there's some new stuff going here at the Little Black Couch obviously had uh, Nick Fitzgerald here who is a video it was it was a video extravaganza I mean so much knowledge and so much fun but um, but I, I just wanted to show off a couple different sort of things here first off uh, next huh how about that a little side view which is nice and then we'll go back here right back here but this is this I'm super excited about this I have, I learned how to do the following. So I hope you enjoy this. This is a brand new segment on the Little Black Couch that I am so pumped about because so much of my life has been spent with, with this object, uh, being an entrepreneur. I, I mean, it, he's such an important part of my life. I actually named the show after him. And so it just didn't seem fair that I, I would sit here and you know just take all the glory for myself as this little guy, I mean, I, I play a lot of golf. It's like, I feel like he's kind of like my caddy, you know, like he's always there and he's always, um, sadly enough, he's always super encouraging and uh, I've got a weird imagination, but he's, he's a great guy. So I just wanted to bring him on and make sure that he always felt sort of comfortable. So let me present to you now. It's the live couch cam, if you can believe it. How about that, folks? So right now he's uh, holding a hat for me. And it looks like I got something underneath there, but there he is. And I just wanted to present, he's always here. He'll uh, pipe in here and there when he's got something important to uh, say. He usually just mutters, so you may not hear it very much, but that is, that is it right there. So the little black couch making an appearance here and there. Again, it's not gonna be constant. He's a little shy. So, but we'll go with him there. Very excited from it, but let's jump right into this then. And uh, in other news, Oh boy, I'm just, this is great. Thanks, Nick. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about honestly, to get into entrepreneurship. So I used to travel a lot and I'd love to take, I'd love to have uh, vacations. I, I would go and meet with distributors all over, but because I was gone for like six weeks block, six week blocks at a time, the weekends became super important and I would never work on a Friday. So I always had Friday to Sunday as a weekend 
And, and then Sunday I would usually reserve as a travel time to get to the next place if it was a long travel. Or I would just go Monday morning and make the distributor pick me up, you know, midday. A lot of what we did was in Europe. I try to centralize it. Like if I was in Europe, I'd try to stay in Europe for a few weeks. Um, if I was in the Middle East, I'd try to stay in the Middle East for a few weeks just so I could travel on Mondays. And, and Sundays could be more of a, a relaxation, Sabbath day kind of a experience. And I needed that to sort of unwind and, and let the crazy out. So, um, so I, I always tried to schedule my weekends in a place, a cool city, and then I could start work on Monday with the distributor in that particular city. And so that was usually, like Zurich was awesome. I loved Cape Town and South Africa. Um, um, let's see, Paris was fun. And oddly enough, I loved Hamburg. I thought Hamburg was just awesome place in Germany. I just, I, that town just, I loved it. Um, but anyway, so I had these, I had these places I liked to be and I loved to hang out there. Uh, Vienna was a cool town, a little depressing with the whole war thing, but anyway. So there's just these places that I love to be for the weekend and then you'd go out and sightsee, check it all out, have a good time. Well, so I booked this one weekend in Paris. And so I was gonna stay in Paris and start working with the, the French distributor on Monday. So I got there Thursday afternoon and I had this weekend. And at that time there, you know, we've got Disneyland's everywhere. And we used to go to Disneyland as a family, not super often, but maybe like once every five years and you'd have like one day and then it would just be like, you know, blitz, right? We'd go like crazy and run around and, and we don't, uh, we now go take three or four days and just take it easy, right? If you do like a few rides, who cares? You know, you've got tomorrow, just chill out. You know, it's not such a hectic, crazy thing, but my, my father loves the hectic, crazy vacations. I'm the oldest of seven kids. I mean, it was, you know, we've been, I've been lost at Disneyland. It was just a nightmare, right? We were just running all over. One year we went in like matching football uniforms with our names on the back, which I wouldn't advise now, right? That's all you need is to give the kidnappers your kid's name, right? And what is it about, as we're talking about Disneyland, I, we, so we took our kids there a lot. And this is a tangent, I apologize, but it's, we're going to talk about Disneyland anyway. So as a dad, you know, you go to Disneyland, you take your kids and they have an awesome time, right? I mean, they are... They are geeking out. I remember uh, Kedrick, our middle son, when we took him for the first time, he was like two or three. So he was just kind of getting into it. And we went to the parades, and I, I'm not a big fan of parades, but we went to the electric parade. And to see his little face, like he, he just, he couldn't take it all in, you know? And I, I couldn't stop laughing because he was, <sighs> and just kind of shaking. And he just, it just was too much for his little mind to take it all in. So that kind of stuff's fun. but. What hit me is that I've got, I've got this cute little three-year-old boy and, um, and then, you know, Mickey comes up and he hugs Mickey or he hugs Pluto. And I know as an adult that it's, I mean, I, maybe this is a little out there, but that's probably a really disgusting, sweaty person in there. And, and had he, if he didn't have this, this thick polyester fur barrier between him and my child, I would freak out that this guy was hugging my kid. Not only that, my kid wouldn't come within three miles of this person, right? With the stranger danger and all that. But you slap a polyester fur costume with the big floppy ears and bugly eyes and the kids will run all over and hug them. I don't get it. But uh, they play to their market. They know their customers, right? Disney does a great job at knowing their customers. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, that's, 
pretty important. But let's continue the discussion and what? Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to it, man. <laughs> okay, so I'm, in, so I'm in Paris. And I decide, you know what? I've never seen Disneyland Paris. I've seen Disneyland Tokyo. I've seen, you know, LA and Orlando. Well, Anaheim, I guess it is. But, you know, I've seen the other parks. So, hey, let's, let's check out this Disneyland Paris. And I used to teach at, I used to teach at the university level. And one of the courses I taught was on international business. And one of the case studies was just how, what a disaster uh, Disneyland, Disneyland was when, when they called it Euro Disney. What a disaster that was. Because there, nobody knew what Disneyland was. Europeans weren't real thrilled with Americans at the time. And they, there was no cartoons playing, none of that. And so Disney goes and throws up a park and just arrogantly believes that everybody's going to come swarming to there on the European continent. And they were wrong, right? It failed miserably. Well, Disney did the right thing and they started shooting out the, you know, because the parents were like, I'm not going to go and, you know, especially the Parisians, you know, they weren't going to go and destroy their kids' culture by introducing to them, you know, these disgusting American characters and uh, send a bunch of money back to the States. They, they wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted to stick with their culture. And so they, they wouldn't go. They wouldn't go to the park. So Disney did a wise thing and just started blitzing all of Europe with Disney shows had them translated and just started blitzing um, the, the TV, radio, everything. Uh, selling the videos, they went crazy and just started marketing their stuff. Well, the kids got hooked on it. And all of us who have been to Disneyland know that, hey, you know, it's, the kids are pulling the parents around. The only reason we're there is for the kiddos. And Disney nailed it. They changed the name to Disneyland Paris, which was important for, for France. They couldn't really do a big, they couldn't do much about the location they chose, which is quite awful. I mean, it's, it's a pretty part of the world, but I mean, it rains there all the time. It's just not like sunny Orlando, sunny California. It's got a, quite a rainy season there. And so they had to build it a little bit differently. We'll get into that. So, Anyway, that's sort of how they turned Disneyland Paris around. So if you can't just uh, launch something, even if it's the best thing in the world, without at least providing some education and providing some framework as to why somebody wanted to be there. And they, they tried to market to parents before the children were bought in, and the parents wanted nothing to do with it. Then they started marketing to the children, and the parents had no choice, right? The kids started screaming, and so then everybody went to Disneyland Paris. So I decided that I was going to hop on the train. It's really convenient to get there. I'll give them that. I was going to hop on the train and I was going to zip out to Disneyland Paris and I was just going to spend a day just by myself and check it out. I had no, again, I was traveling six weeks at a time. I got very used to just being by myself and if somebody had a problem with it, I did not care. So I, I went out to Disneyland Paris. I got the ticket and I went in. It's pretty cool because all of a sudden I've been traveling around. I think I'd been out about four weeks at that time. It's definitely a great big slice of Americana. And I was like, oh, this is actually, I mean, it's crazy, but this is kind of nice. I've got Main Street. I've got, oh, you know, I wasn't going to hug Mickey, so he wasn't creeping me out. And I'm just kind of walking around Disneyland Paris. I'm riding a few rides, and I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I mean, it's really awesome. I'm having a good time. Well, um, and you know what? I found that they had, uh, they called it Walt's Chocolate Cake. I don't care what they called it, but that was pretty much the best chocolate cake I'd had in a while. They've been a, I'm a big chocolate cake fan and it was really good. So I had my cake, I was walking around. Well, it starts to rain. I mean, like 
And they have like awnings and things in the front of the rides and like a lot of the lines are covered just because it rains so much there. Again, not a great spot for an amusement park that, where you're outside. But it was very fascinating because um, all of a sudden all these carts came out and they were selling these yellow Mickey Mouse ponchos. Just boom, that fast. I mean, the carts came out from everywhere. Every store threw something out. And all of a sudden there was Disneyland ponchos for sale and they were being snapped up like crazy. Part of me thought, did they do this on purpose? Because they must have sold 10,000 of them if they sold one in like 10 minutes. Everybody was in a yellow poncho. And I sat there looking at this and going, you know what? That's amazing, right? We, all of these, we're all individuals. We're all from different countries. We all come from different cultures. But when the situation is right, we all buy the exact same product and we don't care. Right? We were all in these yellow ponchos because we had to have them. The situation was such that Disney had created a situation where they knew the rain was coming and they knew that they would sell a ton of these and they knew that if they made them available, they'd blow off the shelves. And so when the rain came and they knew it would, they were ready to go and everybody bought ponchos galore. And so literally within minutes, the whole place is yellow in ponchos. Everybody's in yellow. I'm thinking to myself, that's amazing. The, they were ready to capitalize on an opportunity that they knew were coming. So we need to make sure that we're always paying attention to trends in the market. Definitely look out, see what they're saying online, see what's going on and see if there's, you see a trend coming where you have a solution that might make that work and be ready to act on it. Okay. So that, I thought that was a really cool lesson. Another thing I thought while I was there, and this is the deviant side, that if you ever wanted to rob any of the stores in Disney, in Disneyland, you would do it during a rainstorm when everybody looks exactly the same in the yellow poncho. Now, I would never do that. I would hope none of you would never do that, but it did cross my mind. You know, for the deviants out there, um, we don't want you here on the little black couch, but hey, there you go, a freebie. And then the final thing that I learned as I was, as I, one, that there was, all these individuals that came together and, and went all in on a product because we all needed it. But then there was another cool thing that as I looked out and realized that all of these, these, all these people from all over, the, all over the continent of Europe, and really everybody comes to Disneyland Paris, it's the only one they got there, that um, their likes, their dislikes, their culture, all of that didn't matter when the situation and the product when the situation was exactly right and the product was available at the right time. And that was a really cool lesson for me. I loved uh, Disneyland, had a great time there. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool, the, the rides are a little bit different, so it's definitely a different experience. My wife and I actually went to Disneyland Tokyo a few years ago. That was a lot of fun. Um, but Disney, Disney does it right sometimes. Once they, figured out, once they figured out that they needed to market to the children and they changed that, that made a huge difference. Now the children being the parents and then Disney creates situations. Disneyland too, Disneyland Paris was the first park where they just basically, they had to start selling alcohol because the Europeans, especially the Parisians, want to have a glass of wine at lunch. And if you can't get my wine at lunch, you know, I'm not, I don't care how, how you know, loud the kids are, I'm not going, right? So they, they fixed that. So it was the first park that had alcohol in it. And uh, so pretty interesting. Dizzy always does a very good job of kind of changing what, making the adjustments that they need to make in order to capitalize 
and uh, earn a lot of money from the marketplace and they know what they're doing and, and this was just another uh, another example of that while I was in Paris it was pretty cool so that's all I had for you today I hope that you as entrepreneurs feel the um, I don't know just feel the rush of having the responsibility of trying to solve the world's problems I mean and, and, and just stay open to it and look around and pay attention and as you talk to people as I was talking to like Nick yesterday just talking to him and listening to his expertise it just brought it just brought to my mind again that every time you meet somebody every person you meet there is something they do far superior to the way we do it there is something that we can learn from every person we come in contact with and and nobody's better than any one of us and nobody's worse as far as our intrinsic value as human beings go it's all the same and I'm not talking bank accounts I'm just talking worth and, and if you have an attitude like that, you will go into negotiations in a much stronger place. You will treat your employees better. You will treat your family better. You'll treat your parents better. But if everybody's equal in your mind, and, and, and it, that is exactly how it is, um, when somebody tries to talk down to me or talk up to me, I get equally annoyed. Um, we're all on the same level. We're down here breathing the same air, trying to get through life as best we can, and we are all exactly equal in the eyes of God for sure but but to all of us as well and treating each other special or less special all that because of status or whatever is is not productive especially as from a from an entrepreneur standpoint so but anyway just I I'm so happy to be able to talk to you I'm finally happy to be able to kind of get this message out that entrepreneurship is important that people depend on us even if they don't know who we are that people like to find new solutions to their problems where we can make life easier for them, save them time, and, and help give their life back, where they can pursue stuff that they're really interested in. And that's the cool part of being an entrepreneur. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you again for joining me from the, the confines of the little black couch. He is adorable, isn't he? Until next time, we'll see you. Thanks.